Welcome to She Rocks Global. Uh, so happy to be recording today from Cape Town in the American corner, courtesy of the US Consulate Cape Town General. Oh, wow. Look at me mixing up on all my words. It's the end of the year, but it's fine. We are perfectly imperfect. Today, I'm so happy to be in the studio with Maka, who's obviously part of the She Rocks team. And we have Zoya, who's supporting us outside of the booth today. And of course, we have T Cry, who's on the controls. But also so excited to actually have Karen with us today. Karen is a dear friend of mine. Um, I've met her through a different form of life, which is the TEDx Cape Town community. But actually, there's so much more to Karen. And so perhaps let me hand it over to you, Karen, and please tell us more about yourself. Sure, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. And um, it's really an honor and a privilege to be here with your team. It's um, incredible that people fly around the world just to, to hear our stories. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, so a little bit about me. I am from Cape Town. I grew up here besides a stint in America where I lived in California, which was great. And um, I found that uh, what I love about Cape Town is that there's just so much variety here and so many opportunities for people to learn and grow. Um, my my background, when, when I kind of grew up, I learned, I knew that what I wanted to do was be involved in a career where people were having a good time. And being in Cape Town for me, that was initially, right, well, I have to go into tourism. There's no, I mean, where else in Cape Town do you have a good time other than in tourism? And so I shifted into an event management role, um, ran corporate incentive travel around Southern and Eastern Africa, which was great because I got to go to amazing five-star lodges. Um, there's something pretty special about staying in um, amazing places like Londolozi and Ulusaba um, for, for free um, while you <laughs> get to eat all the incredible food and see the animals. Um, and then after a while, I realized that what I actually wanted to do was work with people at their essence, work with who they are as individuals, because my my shift in myself was that I understood suddenly that actually what I was doing was external. People were having a great time and then going back. And yes, they were having a good experience, but were they different six, eight, nine months later? And so I took the opportunity um, to move from that world and kind of quit my job with nothing to go to, which is the combination of brave and stupid, mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> went and studied for a bit. Um, I studied coaching and subsequent to that have ended up in the leadership development world where I work in a small leadership consultancy where what we do is work with leaders to make their organizations wonderful places for people to work. And the point of that is that if you are working in a wonderful place where you get the opportunity to grow as an individual, then the chances are you're going to become a much better citizen and make a bigger contribution to the world. And, and that's really what I believe and what I love doing. Fantastic. Wow. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I also want to ask, um, what was the last brave and stupid thing that you did? Oh, I, um, every now and then I do brave and stupid things that are um, very well planned. So <laughs> a brave and stupid thing that I did was um, literally two days after I got a promotion into being the COO of our leadership consultancy I turned around and I said, right, so thank you very much for the promotion. In one year's time to the day, I'll be going to Spain for six weeks and walking part of the Camino. So as um, a person who is not particularly fit, not particularly skinny, I decided to walk 320 kilometers across Spain. Very well planned, but um, probably not. Being not the fittest, it was probably not the smartest thing to do. Um, but I knew the first, the second I took my first step, 
there is no ways that I wasn't walking into that square outside that cathedral in Santiago de Compostela. Wow, I love that story. Actually, I had a similar experience in Torres del Paine in Chile. I I want to say that it's about <laughs> mental energy Ooh, and all about it's that. all about that. But congratulations, then it happened. Thank you. It happened. Yes, great. It happened, and it um, yeah, it was pretty life changing. Getting yeah. on that plane, and um, you know what I realized is that what made it so magical is that everything just boils down to taking one step and then the next step. And then getting to the next place and sleeping and eating and sleeping and then walking. And that's it. Yeah, I believe your mind enters in a in a in a way to, to function in a way that it's really incredible and resetting and healing. At least for me, I was walking say, okay, watch your step, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And it was really great. Well, I imagine it's because it should be a really challenge to work with people, uh with people as Uh, with in general, like this holistic approach you have about people, what does means to you to your with yourself? How do you prepare yourself in order to work with other people's? Uh, because I think it's really challenging. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so when I worked in the coaching, when I did my coaching course, the most of our time was actually spent on ourselves, where we spent a lot of time working out our own challenges and where we would project onto others. So. My thing with working with people is going, okay, where are they coming from and how am I reacting to that? What's triggering for me? And absolutely necessarily going like, okay, where am I in the in the power dynamic? Do I need to watch myself here? Or actually am I in a space where I need to go, that person needs to look out for it and, and have my real say rather than being in the leadership position of saying, right, actually, I need to hold myself here and let that person vent, let that person have their um, have their say. So in terms of preparing myself, I work really, really hard to understand what my underlying motivations for things are, what it is that's feeding me, what it is that um, I'm wanting to get out of any interaction, and then go, am I okay with that? Am I not okay with that? And if I am okay with that, and it's maybe not necessarily like a pure intention, let me say, like if I if I know I want something from that person and I realize that I'm being a little manipulative, I catch myself and go, actually, what I want him to be clear, I want to be clear about what I want. So it's about knowing yourself, your motivations and your intentions, I think, in the in the conversation when you're coaching, when you're leading, when you're um, any kind of engagement, really. Mm. And I think actually what's happening or what feels like to me, you're describing leadership, actually. And so you are a leader um, and leaders need followers and therefore we're talking about communities and ecosystems. What do you find the most challenging aspect of dealing with people? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, The most challenging aspect of dealing with people for me is when there is a lack of willingness to accept their own responsibility in things. And you cannot make someone see their own um, their own responsibility. You cannot make them do that. They have to choose that for themselves. When someone comes in as a victim or when someone comes in and says, oh, it's all their fault, I really struggle with that because when – someone comes in and says, okay, what difference can I make? Then you can work together. But if someone is unwilling to see their their responsibility, then it's really hard to, to take, a, take a stand. That victim mentality is very difficult for me to, to deal with. 
And so follow-up question is, what is what do you find the most rewarding um, in terms of working with people? Oh, that aha moment. Okay. You know, when someone suddenly looks at me and goes like, ah, oh, the story I've been telling myself is not true. And I get they get the opportunity to then make their life as they want to. When they get the opportunity to say, right, this is what I've believed all the time, that I have no responsibility, I have no opportunity, I have no control. When they suddenly go, actually, I have that. I have the power. I can choose to be a leader. I can choose not to be a leader. I can choose how I show up. That for me, when that aha moment happens, is by a long way the most powerful and wonderful thing. Mm. As a Karen, I mean... Literally, you like my super, my superhero, but we no one is a superhero, and we're not encouraging anyone to be a superhero because we come with our mm. things, uh, good and bad. In terms of, I love this idea of people sitting with their stories, and sometimes those stories aren't actually helpful or useful to mm. them. Are you able to share with us a story that maybe you told yourself, and mm. even if you've moved on from it, but a story that maybe still has consequences on you today Absolutely. and how you are? Absolutely. And I, I suppose for me, I'll pro pro probably get a bit personal here, but my... Must get personal. <laughs> must it get personal here. Um, my, my continuous story um, growing up was around my weight in that I have, well, I haven't been overweight all my life, but I've believed I've been overweight all my life. And my belief was that I would never find someone who would love me, that I could never do things, that I certainly could never walk across Spain certainly that I could never, um, I don't know, jump out of airplanes, that I, there were things that I couldn't do because of my weight. And when I suddenly recognized, like, hang on a second, um, it's not about how I look, it's about how I show up. And when I, and, and social media in some ways has been a godsend to me because there are beautiful Instagram people that you can follow um, and beautiful people on Facebook and LinkedIn and everything who are really beautifully body, body positive. And once I exposed myself to that and went, oh, wow, hang on a second. The story that I'm telling myself is not the real one. Um, it's still something I struggle with on, a, on the regular all the time. Um, but I have role models that I can look up to and I can turn around and say, hey, actually, that's not true. Um and, and I have people in my life who love me just as I am. They really are not concerned about what I look like. And, um, yeah, that's great. Really what they want for me is me to take care of myself. And that's probably a story that has shifted a little bit or shifted quite a lot, I should say, um, but is still around and I still work on all the time. Thank you for that. I feel a little bit identified with that because also I think it's about how we talk to ourselves. Mm. Um, we were talking prior to starting this interview about the thing about relating profession. You work daily in a daily basis to help leaders and organization to support and create and, and um, manage big businesses and to be successful. Uh, how do you think our personal life is related with our professional life uh, in terms of leadership? So I don't believe that you are a different person at home and at work. You are... You bring yourself to work. Uh, people might say that they are different in one place or the other, but if you have time management problems at work, the chances are you have time management problems at home. And so becoming more integrated, more aware of um, what's going on in your both your personal and professional life and how one impacts the other, I, I really believe that you can only lead once you understand how those two things integrate. You know, people often speak about work-life balance, but really we're moving into a space of work-life integration. Mm -hmm. And 
our business, the way the way we are structured is we believe in full flexibility. So uh, most of our team works remotely. Uh, most of our team is actually they contract to us on a freelance basis. Um, you know, I work in a very flexible environment. Uh, my team doesn't say to me, oh, I'd like to leave at three o'clock or I'd go. You know, I trust you to do your work. And um, and then if you have any problems, come in and talk to me about it. Because, you know, we all live, right? We all have doctor's appointments. We all have things to do. We all have to go and get driver's licenses and all of that stuff. And so there is no point in having this rigid environment where you can't be the human that you are at work and at home. Um, I'm very fortunate to work in a space where we are encouraged to bring our full selves to the workplace. And I know it's not the same in a lot of environments, but that to me is what that where leadership is moving towards, where you can bring your vulnerabilities, you can bring this fact that things aren't going well at home or that they are going well at home and that everyone can support each other as you know, in both of those situations. I'm sure that answers your question properly. That is, your answer is the answer. Okay. Um, on this very day, in this very hour, in this very minute, what is the full version of Karen? I suppose right, right now I am I'm ready to have a break. I um, I can relate as yeah. well. <laughs> you know, I um, I like to think I work hard and I play hard. And I've actually just, in my our, our work um, blog, has just released the final one for the year. And it's I, I wrote it and it's titled Dare to Rest, um, mainly because Brené Brown's book Dare to Lead was on my desk. And I was suddenly like, what if, what else are we daring to do? And right now I'm, I'm, tired but I'm also I have this bubbling sense of excitement for what 2020 brings it feels like a really it feels like a really great year um and so I'm I'm tired and I'm also really really grateful to be here and recognizing I suppose more of my own potential and more of my own value um, more and more um, certainly this year I have and um, I'm looking forward to stepping into that in 2020 which I think is probably why it feels like a little like a little carrot. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's end of the year and mm. I think 2019 has been intense for all of us yes. but I want to go back to the other answer you talked about vulnerability mm. and I literally would like you to talk about leadership and vulnerability uh, sure. and what about the future of work you know like uh, we don't like to expose ourselves especially as women as leaders uh, it's difficult to be a leader as a woman uh, special especially if you are vulnerable mm. and you really talk about bringing yourself to your workplace mm. fully vulnerable with everything with, because I believe you are a person first of all mm. with your good stuff and bad stuff and your story so how do you relate vulnerability with leadership? Well, the thing is that any leader, if they are going to lead from their whole selves, is going to be vulnerable. You don't have to look vulnerable. I mean, vulnerable doesn't have to look like tears. It doesn't have to look like anything um, obvious. But you might be being vulnerable when you say this is a deadline because it might go against your innate wish to have everyone like you. You might be being vulnerable when you're creative because you're afraid that people are not going to like the work that you put out. So any leader in any position has to be vulnerable. Um, it's, a, it's a requirement. Um, and I think as, as a woman, 
you know, we are we have got the beautiful experience, I suppose, of being far, being in touch with what that feels like. We we get the feeling of vulnerability a lot. So it's about going right. Oh, I have that icky feeling. I'm going to step forward anyway. And hopefully, most of us have the opportunity to find a mentor or someone who we can speak to and say, "Hey, that was really tough for me," and they can potentially help and go right. What was tough about it? Okay, so that hit your I want people to like me button, right? Do people still like you? They probably do because it's interesting, and, and I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, but it's interesting how she says the clearer you are with people, and yes, you might be putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, the clearer you are, actually the more confident and safer they feel with you, and that's leadership more than anything else. So I think the vulnerability, we must remember that it's not about tears and standing up there and being a f- like showing fear. Anything can be a sense, can create a sense of vulnerability in, in certainly in myself. I get nervous when I have to submit something. Um, or, you know, when I like, like today, when I put out on Facebook or on LinkedIn, here's an article that I wrote. And I'm fortunate I get an opportunity to work with a copywriter, but that, cr- that creation is mine. And, you know, are people going to like it? Is it going to hit the right notes? Um, and so, you know, we have vulnerability all the time. The point is how you work with it. Something that's really been coming up for me a lot in the last two or three weeks is the idea of polarities, which has, I think, come up a lot for a lot of people in 2019. And um, and that vulnerability, bravery, thats I don't know if that's a polarity or if they're actually on the same side, mm. but that maybe that bravery and vulnerability is versus that like strictness or um, control those those are kind of areas that 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 interest me as well or that that I think are valid as leaders great and you are, you are talking about vulnerability about getting a mentor or asking for help yes. uh, I'd like to know who helped you uh, uh, but who helped you get sure. here like all oh, the place where you are now or the version of yourself you are now mm. who were those key persons in your life sure so um my dad is one of is one of them and you know like he's a man of very few words and um I had had in my mind that I wanted to leave my job for a while but I was too afraid of of what to do and um he's like I said he's a man of few words he doesn't ex- doesn't speak a huge amount and um he one day just looked at me and he said coaching do coaching and I said <laughs> okay and and I've been in a fortunate situation where where I, there was something I was able to do and I knew that I fully had his and my mom's support so that is those are two people who've really made a massive difference in getting me to where I am um, from that within the coaching organization where I learned where I studied at the Graduate School of Business at UCT the Center for Coaching there is so much support during the 18-month program that you really have a massive um, group of people who just love you for who you are. So I've got my friend San, who is an incredible mentor to me um, from, an, from an emotional perspective. I have, um, I'm currently with a therapist because I really do believe that people should take the opportunity to get therapy or see a counselor if it's something that you that you should do. Um, and right now, I suppose one of the things I am looking for is someone who can, I, I'm a COO and I know that that role is really unique to the CEO and the managing director that you work with because every COO has their, they're either in HR or they're in finance or they're in technical. Um, and really my my current wish is that I find someone who is able to mentor me into kind of 
what am I supposed to be doing all the time? Um, you know, I have, um, you know, many abilities, but sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing today. Um, and I, I don't know that, you know, I know there are a lot of people who walk into their jobs and know exactly what they're doing. But for me, a lot of it is this beautiful opportunity to create a workplace that I hope my team likes and I hope becomes almost like a um, an example to the world of how people can work if they are stepping into um, themselves as, a, as an adult, into themselves and as a powerful human being. These Our working environment is one that really, really works well. I like this idea of... You know, following from Maccas in terms of asking for help mm. and, and going there in terms of you've got your therapist, you've got your mentor, you've got all the different, your parents mm. and all of that. Are you able to take us through almost like the anatomy of how Karen asks for help? Ooh, Karen doesn't really like asking for help. Um, it's uh, it, was a, it was a big thing for me to recognize that it is not a weakness. And... I think when I, probably the six months before I stopped my role in the eventing space, where I was really in tears a couple of times a week. And, um, you know, I lo loved so many aspects of that role, but I just, you know, I knew I wasn't in the right place. And so when I had the opportunity, when my dad said, here, try this, um, it was like this lifeline being thrown to me. Subsequent to that, my recognition is that it's a strength and that I can only be who I am if I ask for help. And so going, sitting with myself and going, oh, right, I need to talk to someone about this. And then I've got the opportunity of saying, who's the right person? And it may be someone in my immediate circle. It might be someone in the office. And I try to get clear, and I sometimes you need a thinking partner on this, I try to get clear on what help I'm actually asking for. You know, I try to go into a therapy session or therapy group of sessions and say, right, this is what I'd like to work on. And of course, it goes left and right and, you know, all around. But it's um, asking for help is, is something that I've really, really struggled with. So I think for me, it's about being clear about what help I want. Okay. I have another one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you Like most of your story, it's about a turning point where you decided mm. to quit your job and reinvent yourself. Mm. Which advice would you give for to any person that is listening to us that wants to reinvent themselves or they're, they're not in a place where a job, they're not in a place where they enjoy themselves or their life? What would you say to them? So, I mean, it's easy to turn around and say, just do it. But life, you know, there are real things in the world. And if you do just do it, then make sure that you've got the support that you need. So I think the first thing is around making sure that regardless of what you're choosing to do, that there is support for you. And that support can be financial support. It can be advice. It can be any kind of support. Um, and then I would say, find a way to take baby steps. You know, I, I had the chance to make a big change, but take baby steps. You know, if you need to start a sideline, if you... If you need to, you know, find people on the weekends, find ways to volunteer with things. Um, TEDx, Cape Town, and before that, TEDx Table Mountain was a big game changer for me. Mm. It introduced me to the idea that I could coach speakers to get onto stage. And, um, you know, that's my sideline, which is great. But I didn't know that until I gave myself the opportunity to move from running the event to coaching the speakers because that was really the part that interested me. And now part of my sideline is that I make money coaching people to speak, um, which is not something I ever knew mm. beforehand. 
So find ways to give yourself the small opportunity that's not necessarily going to take away from your income, that's not going to take away from the thing that's keeping your day-to-day life going, because we all have that. You know, we all have bills to pay at the end of the day. So I think you've kind of introduced us into the next portion (laughs) of your life and where maybe you and I intersect, which is we've met through the TEDx Cape Town community. Mm. And so are you able to give us just a sense of what this community means to you, why you do it, and how your involvement in TEDx Cape Town has maybe evolved over the years? Sure. So I um, started with TEDx Cape Town when I was in the eventing business, and I was asked to run the event itself. So, you know, like where do people sit, how do tickets work, all of that stuff, which I did for about two years until I realized that the people who interested me were the speakers. And so I set about learning how to be a speaker coach. And the fact that I was studying coaching at the same time naturally helped. But learning some tips and tricks of how people get to speak on stage um, was useful. So what what happened in TEDx is that I shifted from doing things that I always knew to stretching myself. And in the volunteer space, often that's where the beautiful opportunity comes in. You get to stretch yourself into something new. Um Part of why seven years later I still do this is because of the people, to be honest, because I have, having grown up in Cape Town, and Cape Town is known to be very clicky and, you know, very, I grew up in an area where we all know each other, everyone knows each other, but TEDx really gives me the opportunity to meet some people who I would never ordinarily be exposed to. It broadens my world. Um, You know, it makes me know things that I would never know in a million years, and I've um, I've really, that is probably the thing that I value most about it is that I learn every single time I go into a TEDx meeting, into a TEDx event, um, every time I have a conversation with you, every time I have a conversation with any of the people in TEDx, I just bring a different perspective. And, um, and I think particularly in a country like South Africa, in a city like Cape Town, like getting to know other people's perspectives is flipping important, oh. you know, and if I don't make the effort to do that, my world is never going to do that for me unless I choose to go out there and meet people. So that's really what TEDx has done for me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and so I feel like we could go on about TEDx, I think. We could. You and I, we could. and <laughs> so many people involved in TEDx can go on and on and on, so we won't. And so I feel like it would be a little bit silly for us not to ask you, what do you think makes you rock? You could have prepared me for this question. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what What makes me rock is the fact that I believe I combine a sense of reality with a sense of humor, with a sense of wonder and a sense of curiosity um, and a sense of kindness. You know, I, I believe in kind of blending all of those things Um and making myself into the best person that I can be, uh, you know, which does sound like a wonderful cliche, but, you know, realizing your own potential, it inspires other people. So I think that's what makes me rock. But thank you, Novisa. Oh, it's been lovely. <laughs> thank you for this honest conversation. We really sure. appreciate how honest you've been and how much you share about yourself and your story. Uh, thank you, Novisa. Uh, also, I'm really happy we talk about this TEDx community that's been, we also have been in TEDx Cape Town Women with Zoya in our visit to Cape Town. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. We thank are really you. inspired by your words. Thank you. thank you to the American Corner to receive us once again. Uh, I will see you in the next episode. Thank you very much. 
Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Bota from Uruguay, Noavisa Mayema from South Africa, and Zoya Kukic from Serbia. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded at the American Corner in Cape Town, South Africa, which is also where you will find our sound engineer Tikre Kikana. The music for this podcast was composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sikasa from Germany. Mixing engineer was T. Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from all across the globe. Should you be one or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please let us know. You can find us in Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook through our handle at SheRocksGlobal, hashtag SheRocks. Until next time, keep rocking!